Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Try to work out if that Ronaldo one's a bit, you know, a bit problematic. Let's look. Two hundred and fifty-three of twenty-minute Tim's. I am your host Jamie, and I am joined by Melly. Yes, and Stephen. Hello. And let me just ask you a question, lads. How is it going? Oh, Belter, <laughs> absolutely classic, know, mate. Can I just say to you before we start? I don't know if you guys have picked this up, but did you know that Eddie Howe's surname, spelled H-O-W-E, right, can be used to substitute the word Howe, H-O-W, in any scenario, anywhere. <laughs> The word how is used, you just drop Eddie Howe's name into it. So we're going to have whoop, lots of Eddie Howe puns. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> oh, so what's that? There's the fun police there, Jamie. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I thought Melee <laughs> was going to say it's the how of the police or squeeze in <laughs> some terrible Eddie Howe pun. Look, the reason everybody's making these Eddie Howe puns, though, Melee, is because the news has been breaking over the past couple of days. And yes, we are aware of how good our timing is with this podcast. As people have already been pointing out to us, that an announcement is supposedly imminent when Eddie Howe has met with Dermot Desmond last week. Um, some reports were saying that he's agreed to become the Celtic, the next Celtic manager, all bar the paperwork, and an announcement is due this week. So that could mean tonight as we record this. Probably not, because it's Easter Monday. Could mean tomorrow morning, but it could mean never, because you know you never know how close to true these press reports are. But let's just take it as true. How happy are you? Oh, absolutely delighted. This was my number one from the very start. The only thing is, I thought Celtic would maybe be a hard sell for Eddie Howe because of the state we're in, and he's maybe thinking he wants a Premier League job. So I thought if Celtic can go and get him, please do it. I didn't think we could, so I'm absolutely delighted that it looks like he's going to be the man. Stephen, I've probably said on this podcast that there's no way... Eddie Howe's going to be the next Celtic yeah, manager. I yeah. think I told people to forget about it. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> I, I think I did, I because I just, never in a million years did I think the board had the testicular fortitude to go out <laughs> and try and land Maybe a catch of that size. <laughs> <laughs> a catch of that size. Um, but by all accounts, they, they've done it, and they've, they've spoken to some high-end, top-rated managers, which we will no doubt get into, but Eddie Howe looks to be the man, Stephen. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I thought there's absolutely no chance. It was one of those ones where it seemed to make so much sense that I couldn't see it happening because we were talking about Eddie Howe for a long time. Eddie mm. Howe was the guy whose name first popped up in probably November. I mean, he's been out of work for 
all this time and as soon as things started to go a little bit awry for Celtic this season, it went a lot awry towards the end, but as soon as it started going a little bit off the rails, everyone was like, well, this guy's out of work, so surely he could come in and fix this season. Surely he's the guy who... And at that point, it seemed ridiculous. So everybody was like, he's never going to come here. He's never going to come to Celtic. He'll, he'll bide his time for, like, I don't know, Everton, Arsenal, something like that. There, there's mm-hmm. no chance we'll get him. So to be sitting here some months on, and he appears to be the number one guy, not only the number one guy, but about to sign the deal, then very exciting for me. I know in a rare twist, this is one of those podcasts where it it might come out immediately after we've recorded. It might be announced the following day. But the difference here is that we at least know that going ahead. It's not going to be one of these things that completely torpedoes and makes redundant the podcast that we've just recorded. We are kind of tentatively predicting that it might happen in between us saying this and you, dear listener, hearing it. Yeah, Celtic, I mean, you could put them in whatever order you want. You, you can have your top three, top five managers, but I dare say that Eddie Howe's in there. It doesn't even really matter the order. If you pick your top three available managers that Celtic could go out and get at this moment, Eddie Howe is definitely in there. Celtic spoke to Jesse Marsh. His next move is already more or less lined up. That that that, that wasn't happening, but Celtic, I heard Celtic did speak to him. So for me, I'm just, I'm over the moon with it. If it go, Obviously, all this is caveated on whether or not it goes through, but he is the best possible appointment I think we could have made. Is there any debate for you, Melly? No, I don't. I think guys like Jesse Marsh, he'd be a sort of ideal guy, but I just think Eddie Howe ticks more boxes. I've always said with Celtic, we should be able to attract these guys. We're a big club. We've had Brendan Rodgers. He should be the, the guy we compare everybody to and say, look, come in here, two, three years, move on to something big. Look at Brendan Rodgers. He's probably getting in the Champions League this year. We should have that, but we've just been so bad. The structure in the club is so poor. The the appointment of Neil Lennon now looks even more ridiculous when you see Rodgers, Lennon, Howe. There's no need to go for Neil Lennon. If Celtic can attract Brendan Rodgers and they can attract Eddie Howe, that was a ridiculous appointment. Those CVs in the drawer should be looked at. But with Jesse Marsh, I don't think it's one of those ones, yes, go and ask the question. Eddie Howe, yes, go and ask the question. But I fully expect it to be knocked back. And for us to be able to attract Eddie Howe just shows we do still have a massive pool. See the CVs in the drawer? It's like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. No one really knows what's in there, but it's a source of mystery all these years on. I'd, I'd love to take a peek into that drawer and see which CVs are sitting in there. The Jesse Mars thing, I never really allowed myself to fully buy into because everything about Jesse Mars, he is Bundesliga AF. So yeah. I, I never really yeah. expected that, to be honest. It was a nice wee, nice wee diversion, a nice wee distraction while it was all going on, but I never really bought into it. Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe's a better appointment for me. Jesse Mars may well go on to bigger things than Eddie Howe in his career. I don't know. It's impossible to predict that. But with Jesse Mars comes possibilities of failure to adapt to to Scottish football and things like that. I don't mean failure to adapt, but surely Eddie Howe as Bournemouth or former Bournemouth manager is in a better position to come in make the switch inside British football than mm. Jesse Marsh is. Yeah. And see, we can't appoint an American. Imagine the pelters an American would get. We we oh. as a society are struggling to come to terms with the use of laptops in football, <laughs> never mind appointing an American without being ridiculed. Imagine it. Imagine imagine <laughs> all the terrible part. That American soccer guy Twitter account would be oh. getting absolutely hammered by the part. <laughs> um, but what is it that attracts you, mainly to Eddie Howe? Why is Eddie Howe such a good appointment for you? I think it's just his style of football and... He's a lot like Brendan Rodgers. I think he has said he's 
he's mentored them in the past, but the way he plays football, it's front foot, it's attacking football, and even when he brought Bournemouth up to the Premier League, he didn't sacrifice his principles, he still went at teams, he still tried to be on the front foot, tied to attack, and look, it might have cost him games sometimes, but he still he still stuck with it because he thinks that's the best way to play football, and this is what we want at Celtic. At Celtic, you need to win, but you need to win in style, and I think that's exactly what Eddie Howe's going to bring to us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with Melly. I've, I've been impressed with some results he's had in the past. Now, spoiler alert here, it's not dropped yet, but we have recorded a podcast with someone who is very well placed to tell us the journey of Eddie Howe. That'll be out on the Patreon in the next couple of days. Well, in fact, part in the of next, Project Rebuild. Yes, part of Project Rebuild that we've been running on there. And he did admit to the fact that Eddie Howe had lost some games very heavily, but had also taken some scalps along the way as well. I think in the five years that he'd been at Bournemouth in the Premier League, they had a better head-to-head with Chelsea than Chelsea did have with Bournemouth. So he has taken some scalps along the way. I think the only big team they didn't beat was Man City in that time. So capable of mixing it with the big boys as well. Of course, Bournemouth have since been relegated, but see when you look at the budgets down there, it's ridiculous that Bournemouth even got as far as the Premier League in the first place, never mind stayed mm. there for several seasons. That's outrageous. It's interesting what you say because, as you said, as a project rebuild, we've got a, a podcast looking at Eddie Howe that we're going to just call local knowledge, people who are familiar with Eddie Howe at a supporter level. Um, we've also already had the boys' analytics on with you, Melly, looking at Eddie Howe from an analytical perspective. But just touching back on what you said, Stephen, about, you know, the taking the scalps and, you know, you're either going to win 6-0 or you're going to lose 6-0 or you're going to... If there's there's not an awful lot of teams in the Scottish Premier League that can hand out a patient like that to Celtic. In fact, pretty much no. nobody can hand out a patient to Celtic. So there's a bit of a safety net there if Eddie Howe wants to play the way that he was playing under Bournemouth. The, the issue you've got is the benchmark for Celtic and the benchmark for any new manager coming in, Melly, is going to be Europe. That's mm-hmm. what we're really looking to improve. We obviously have to get the league back and there's a massive, massive job on our hands there. And Eddie Howe's obviously going to have to play his part in it. But the benchmark's Europe. For me, I think Eddie Howe's a great appointment, or to say it the best appointment, but he's he's going to come up against a similar challenge. Bournemouth v Chelsea is not a million miles away from Celtic v some of the top European sides that we want yeah. to come up against. No, it's not. And this is the good thing about Eddie Howe. Well, look, he didn't go out all out attack in these games. He did he did tweak things a bit. He did be a bit more pragmatic in, in this, the last couple of seasons he was a bit more pragmatic so he's not just going to go out and just go right lads let's attack this team when it's obvious if they do that they'll get beat so he is adaptable but he likes to stick with that principle where he's on the front foot and in maybe 80-90% of the game Celtic play that'll work out well for us because that's exactly what we need it's those games in Europe where he'll need to adapt and yes he doesn't have any European experience people will say maybe that's a flaw in the appointment but I'd probably argue he's he's playing against teams in the Premier League that get to the last four, the last, the final of most European competitions. So he's probably playing against better teams every week than Celtic have played in Europe in the, over the last couple of years in the Europa League. So I'm, I'm completely fine with that. And the no European experience doesn't really bother me. That's maybe one negative. But just I think Eddie Howe, perfect. What we've all all wanted this season is a well-coached team. And I think that's exactly what we'll get with Eddie Howe. You're right there, Melly, because... That, that's something I hadn't really considered. That Europe is just really a label we put on the competition. It depends who you're playing against, but is it more difficult to play against, say, I don't know, RB Leipzig or Atalanta or something like that than it is to play 
eight games a season against the top four or however many it is in England who go far in England. So there are the big teams there that Bournemouth do play against. It just doesn't play the Champions League theme tune mm-hmm. before it. A lot of people have been pointing this out that Eddie Howe doesn't have European experience. I can't argue back against that, but who has? Who, who, well, who's aye, come to Celtic? What is European experience? Um, when people mean that, do they just Martin, mean difficult games? Martin O'Neill, Gordon Strachan, Brendan Rodgers all did well. The first two did really well in Europe without having any previous European experience coming to Celtic. So it's the same as, it's probably like, much like the same argument of people coming to Celtic having not won a league, whereas best managers I've seen at Celtic, none of them have really won the league before they got here. So, so where, where does this appointment lie though? Because for me, looking at it, this is, this is, I think, and there's a couple of ways to look at it. Okay, he's not as established as a manager as Brendan Rodgers was when he came to Celtic, Stephen. That's just a no. fact. If we are looking at Brendan Rodgers' career trajectory, though, I'm looking at Brendan Rodgers' pre-Liverpool. I'm looking at we're appointing Eddie Howe as if we appointed Brendan Rodgers instead of him going to Liverpool. You know, he's that sort of le- he's that sort of level of, of love manager. And in many ways, that's really a, a real positive as well because if Eddie Howe goes on to reach the levels that he, he was tipped for being, and, and people think he can, then we've got in there for a change first. We've got in there early. We've got on the front foot and appointed a forward-thinking coach, highly respected in the game, who's on the verge of his next big move, presumably, and we managed to get someone in there. So where does it lie for you? This, for me, is behind the Brendan Rodgers because he's not as established. Um, but, I mean, it's not a, a million miles away. No, it's not Brendan Rodgers for that one reason that he'd managed Liverpool before, but that was a very particular set of circumstances that led Brendan Rodgers being, to being the Celtic manager. I know people scoff at it now, but for very obvious reasons, because he talks pish, right, Brendan Rodgers, right? But at some level, he was something of a Celtic fan, right? He has Celtic Aye. leanings in his family, right? He might not have been as much as he hyped it up right and he might not have been the pure Celtic daft naming his son after Anton Rogan and all that now he's, he's, you think that wasn't true <laughs> it might well be but it's, on some level to some extent he was probably a bit of a Celtic fan look Brendan Rodgers was getting job offers he wasn't aye, in the aye. wilderness he wasn't but, up in Alaska with a big beard on like the end of Breaking Bad <laughs> like completely forgotten about do you know what I mean Brendan Rodgers could have rebuilt his reputation at a championship club or yeah. a Bournemouth or a, I mean if Davy Moyes is getting two bites at the West Ham job Brendan Rodgers would have got offers down south so you're you're right in what you're saying Stephen yeah and it's not as big an appointment as Brendan Rodgers purely because as I say he's not been at a Liverpool but Brendan Rodgers had been sacked from Liverpool lest we forget or rather should we forget because I don't want to say that <laughs> <laughs> should we forget which is another way of saying that um, or... a wee silhouette of Brendan Rodgers <laughs> <laughs> He had been sacked. He had been sacked for a reason because he was doing poorly. They had a terrible season after the time they'd almost won the league. And everyone says that. He'd, yeah, he was brilliant. He almost won the league at Liverpool. But what came after that was a bit of a disaster and he deserved to lose his job. So he wasn't quite at the, the height of his stock as people make out. Brendan Rodgers was on the way back down and probably used Celtic as a bit of a stepping stone. But that's fine. I'm okay with that. Eddie Howe has had a bit of a meteoric rise, but that has halted. He's gone from... Bournemouth, he hasn't worked for quite some time so he's not quite on the same rise but he's another one, just as you've said there Jamie, he won't be short of offers, there's no way he is sitting there, just his phone stopped ringing, he's an in-demand coach and if he comes to Celtic then it's because he sees something in that, something in the in the project that t- that appeals to him, 
And I, I know people like people say the word project as if it means inferior now because we've had our fingers burnt with it so many times since the striking era. Everything labelled a project is just labelled label as something that's in the bin. But if he sees something in the, the opportunity at Celtic that appeals to him, it's pro, it's no money because he could easily go and wait for a Newcastle or he could have taken a Sheffield United or something like that when somebody gets sacked and probably get paid more than he would get at Celtic. Yeah. So all seems I great mean, for me. He, he turned down. He, he turned down Sheffield United. Mm. The other job that I was sort of looking at him was Crystal Palace. But they, they've got to make they've got to make their mind up whether or not they want to they want to get him or not. And Celtic have obviously moved forward quite quickly with this one. And, and people criticise Celtic for not moving quick enough because you know Neil Lennon was failing back in October, September time. Been a couple of months now, almost six weeks now without a manager. People are saying, well, if Eddie Howe is available all this time, why can't we? It, I've heard that Eddie Howe just, it was just a complete no-go. Don't even bother asking me to come in during a mess here halfway through a season. Is that And what you've said there, Stephen, the project is what he's interested in is what I've heard as well yeah. from talking to someone. He says it's the project that Eddie Howe is interested in and he wants to have a real say in it. He wants to have a hand in shaping this club and he wants to bring his expertise. He wants to bring some in of his own people in. He's looking at Richard Hughes, the former Portsmouth and Scotland midfielder, who's the technical director at Bournemouth. He heads up the he his role is primarily heading up the recruitment department. So presumably he would be stepping into the role that Nick Hammond left him. We'll touch on Nick Hammond in a wee bit. There's also talk that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan are going to be staying on. I don't really have an issue with that happening because if these guys are staying on, then presumably Eddie Howe's happy for them to stay on. That that to me even translates into the fact that he might want them. To stay on, and that's the end date for me. If Eddie Howe comes in and says, I want to work with John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan, then that, that's the end of the discussion. There's, there's, there can't really be any more huffing and puffing about it. See, what I would say about that, though, is they would need to be abundantly clear about that up front because if it's allowed to happen that those guys are just still here without us being clearly told that Eddie Howe has chosen those guys to stay on, then it's just going to lead to things like, oh, he's not been given his own backroom. It's going to lead to that part. As soon as things don't look all rosy for Celtic, it's going to be, oh, we didn't give him his own backroom staff, so he was doomed to fail from the well, beginning. Those are built-in failure points, aren't they? Those yeah. are built-in failure points. When the stress gets put on, the first thing people are going to go is, doesn't have his own backroom staff. And all these wee, wee points of, of stress and failure that are in that are in the system, Melly, if things don't go well for Eddie Howe, that's what people are going to be looking at. Likewise, though, if we bring in Richard Hughes as technical director, um, as opposed to Fergal Harkin, it, it might be an either or. People might turn around and say, well, why are we giving so much control over again? The structures, but people seem to be, not me personally, as I discussed last week in the pod, but people seem to be wedded to this idea that the structure, the, the structure has to be, the CEO has to come in first, even though, even if it's a week or a day, he has to be there first. Then the technical director needs to come in and it doesn't matter if that's an hour or a month, then the manager needs to come in. All these things can't, I, I just think that the, the this appointment of a director of football isn't the bulletproof shield a lot of fans think it necessarily might be. Have you got any qualms with Eddie Howe potentially bringing in Richard Hughes as technical director? In an ideal world, I'd prefer the director of football come in first and appoint the, the head coach and all that. But I think with a guy like Eddie Howe, if he's available, you get him in first. And what you're saying about... Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy staying. See if Eddie Howe wants them. That's perfectly fine with me. The only people that don't rate John Kennedy, I think, is fellow Celtic fans. Now, I've had a go at him previously, but everybody that speaks about John Kennedy raves about him. And people won't mm. rave about a guy if they don't they'll like him and don't think he's a good coach. Everybody, Kieran Tierney, everybody I've heard work under him says he's good managers as well. So if they're staying on, that's fine. 
but I get the fact that people say it has been forced upon them, but Eddie Howe isn't short of offers, as we've said. Do you think there's any chance he's going to agree to come to Celtic if he's been forced to have two coaches in with him? It's not going to happen. He's going to turn around and say, no, we'll do this in my terms. If I want them, they'll stay. If not, the deal's off the table. It's pr probably the same as Brendan Rodgers when he came in. Do you want to keep John Kennedy? Yes or no? He's not going to be forced to keep a guy on. He's got, he's got too much clout for that. So I think I can sort of rule that out. But with the director of football thing, the worry is if Eddie Howe goes in two years and goes to a bigger job, he'll take Richard Hughes with him. Well, this is a warning for Celtic. You've seen what happens under Brendan Rodgers. You didn't learn from it with Neil Lennon and look at the mess we ended up in. So now you've got a good manager in. If he brings his own staff, you can get things going in the background where you can be ready if something happens because succession planning has not been there with Celtic and we need to see a change there. So this is the opportunity for Celtic to really get the fans back on board and have a good manager in place, but also to start putting the structure in place for the inevitable. Because at some point, Eddie Howe is going to go, whether it's if he's sacked or more likely somebody comes in for him. Because if he brought, we brought in Neil Lennon, and we brought in Roy Keane, I mentioned it last week, you're going to need to sack them because nobody's going to come in to get them. The likelihood is with how somebody's going to come in for them. So be ready for that. I think the important thing to remember, though, is a structure, Stephen, isn't individuals. Th those are two different things. So, you know, if you bring in Eddie Howe and Richard Hughes, for example, and they have three years of success and they both leave, you just bring in another director of football and another manager. There's no benefit. There's no tangible benefit to me for the director of football continuing beyond the manager necessarily you can that guy is a piece of the cog that you replace in and out but the structure that's put in place overseen presumably by the CEO is a thing that should be sound we shouldn't go I suppose what I'm saying is we shouldn't do Neil Lennon manager and then we get Eddie Howe director of football in and then Eddie Howe and his director of football leave and we just revert back to manager and then we you know there shouldn't be that chopping and changing there should be as, as everyone keeps calling, a structure in place that is sound. It can also be adapted. It's structurally sound enough that if the director of football manager leave at the same time, you can appoint new ones and keep the train rolling. Oh, yeah, you could. In an ideal world, you could do that, but that's the danger. The danger is that the manager and director of football both leave at the same time and you think it's easier to just go and get Neil Lennon, who's available again, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Bring him back for a third time because we've not got anything in place in the background. Stephen, we've not got any succession planning. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I know, sorry. I'll beep all that out. Beep all that out in, in, in post-production. Come on. You're getting very close to saying steady the ship here. Mark McGee. We'll get Mark McGee into steady the ship because he knows what it takes and all that. He knows the club. I do agree that you don't need a director of football to come in who's going to be here for 10 years or he's going to be here till his retirement and that's basically the, the guy who oversees everything forever no matter who the manager is. But I think why I would want a more steady structure in place, why I would want a succession plan if, and if that includes a director of football being here a wee bit more long term is that really if someone leaves you want to be able to replace as few parts as possible. So if the mm. coach leaves, then you've still got things behind that. If the coach and director of football leaves at the same time, then hopefully there's someone above that, that that's keeping things in place. Why don't John Kennedy the director of football? And <laughs> <laughs> it stops all conversation about why he's still in a job. Ah, yeah, you could. Defensive director of football. Looking at Man United recently, they've they've changed their football instruction. Darren Fletcher, he's the, he's the technical director and a guy, John Murtaugh, is the sort of head of... Director of Football, Football Operations. So Celtic could maybe go along those lines and have Richard Hughes as the sort of guy that does the recruitment side of things. And if we did bring in Fergal Harkin, for example, or somebody else as a like 
director of football that do, deals with everything else from the, the first team down to the youth teams and over that side of things. So it could be a bit of both, best of both worlds we could do if we don't, if we go down that route. The reason I say that a structure sort of transcends the individuals that work within it is because Nick Hammond's just left now. We were asking questions last week on the podcast. You know what? What's the story with Nick Hammond? He's still there. He was given a trial and then he was brought on full time and now he's he's moving on to pursue other opportunities, presumably making way for the the new things that are going on with Celtic. But I was reading John Kennedy's comments and he was talking about the that Nick Hammond put in a, tr- a transfer structure that Celtic are going to use going forward. And, that, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. So, for example, maybe before... Celtic just worked off agent contacts. You know, Neil Lennon mm. put the feelers out or Brendan Rodgers obviously worked with... Uh, I what think was his maybe he's like? a bit generous in there. I think Celtic definitely worked off a, an agent. They definitely worked off agent contracts. And then Brendan Rodgers came in and he had his... What was his guy? Again, Congerton. Congerton. Lee Congerton. And the, the challenges with Lee Congerton were clear that he struggled to operate in the, the area of the market financially that Celtic work in. And then Nick Hammond's come in and maybe, you know, Nick Hammond's doing a more data-driven approach. So it starts with data, then goes to the scouts, then we use contacts in different countries and Celtic are going to continue doing that with a few tweaks. And that makes sense. I see Nick Hammond was getting slaughtered, Stephen, for the recruitment under him. It's too simplistic for me to say he is in charge of recruitment, so every player that came in and is rubbish is his fault, but I can't want to do it, mate. So um, (laughs) the, the... Nick Hammond did come in with a view to overseeing the recruitment last season's window with Christopher Julien, etc. I was encouraged by. This season was nothing short of abysmal, really, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And, and John Kennedy said as much in his comments. John Kennedy said, you know, players that were brought in in the summer, I've still got work to do to prove themselves. So there's an acknowledgement from within the club that the recruitment this year wasn't good enough as well. Well, Nick Hammond appears on the outside to have done a decent amount of work bringing in some Highly rated, at least young players. So Frimpong came in. There have been others. There's Luca Connell, Leah Connor, guys like that who had Shaw. some th- Shaw. Yeah, of course Shaw, who's who's lined up for next season. There's there's others. There's Afal Abbey. There are players who came in with decent reputations. Came some of them came from big clubs. Some when O'Connor was from Man United. You know, of course Frimpong came from Man City and went on for huge, relatively huge money after a short period of time. So that's probably in the positive side of the ledger, despite the fact that a lot of those players haven't yet proven their worth. They might do in the future. Frimpong was certainly a success. That's the positive side. But the negative is, is unignorable, if that's indeed a word, uh, mm. because there are trying massive... a lot of new invented words in this yeah. podcast this week, aren't we? Wow. If you take nothing away from this podcast, and you might well take nothing away from this podcast, if you take nothing else, it is new words, new words for you to impress your friends with. But there's there's no way there's no way to get around the big Irish elephant in the room, and that's Shane Duffy. There's Barkas, who has been another a similar disaster. Maybe harsh to label him that because I don't think he made quite as many ricks as Shane Duffy has. But mm. the fact is, he was five million pounds and has been a complete waste of money so far. A Yeti shown in flashes that it could be a decent signing going forward. But what happened to that guy? I'll never know. Yeah, at this point, sitting here, a Yeti's still a flop, still an enormous flop at this point because six goals from a five million investment, barely played. I know he had an injury in there as well, but the list is fairly long of the last couple of seasons where we've brought in players on decent money or for decent money rather and have not contributed at all. So it's impossible to let Hammond go, resign, and not. You basically point to these things as part of his legacy. 
When he left, we, we were talking about it in the group chat, and I was like, look, he's head of football operations, and the football operations have been pish. So Simple as that, yeah. He deserves to lose his job, but at the same time, I don't know what he does within that 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 um, that role, so it's going to be difficult for me to really judge him, but at the same time, Stephen made the point in the group chat, look, he's got two blowhards in Lowell and Lennon working beside him. Maybe he's recommending guys, and they're like, no, 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 and... I started to think about that a bit because when we look at the the window in the summer there, David Turnbull, well, he was pictured in a Celtic strip the season before, so mm, he was yeah. meant to come in the season before. El Yanusi was signed the season before and just another loan. Neil Lennon came out and said he went for a Yeti the season before and we're going to get him a loan, but he pushed for the, the full signing. Diego Laxell, I know for a fact, Celtic went for him the season before, so... Um, I want to blame Nicky Hammond. I don't think he'd done a great job, but at the same time, a lot of the players bought in in the summer were guys that I know Neil Lennon wanted previously. And then when you look at Shane Duffy as well, there's a lot of rumours going about that it was a Desmond signing, he wanted that guy in, and Neil Lennon wanted somebody you're else. You're questioning what Nick Hammond done for his wages this summer. Is that what you're doing? You're, <laughs> what are we paying this guy for? Well, possibly, or he, he's just, as we said, he's he's working constraints where he's like not doing his offering these guys out and they're going, nah, I want this guy yeah. instead. Whereas, with, with, that's the problem with Celtic. What we want now is a structure where it's not, is that a Hammond signing? Is that a Lennon signing? Is that a Law signing? Because remember the first time Lennon was around, it was every good that signing was, was a Neil Lennon one and every bad yeah. one was a Peter Law one. Brendan Rodgers comes in and it's, I don't, I've got a million wingers, I don't need these guys. This is where we need this to stop here and it has to be everybody's on the same page. The manager, the CEO and the technical director or the director of football all need to be on in this together. Stephen, you're aware of the the infinite chimp paradox, whatever it's called, the infinite monkey theory, where you know an infinite amount of chimpanzees with an infinite amount of typewriters would produce the works of Shakespeare. I thought it was going to be a Rangers podcast there. <laughs> oh, that's another absolute classic from this episode there. Yeah, but yes, well, I'm, it turns I'm out with it. if you don't want the works of Shakespeare produced, you just want any old shit on the page. You only need one chimp and one laptop, and that chimp is Chris Commons, and he has been <laughs> at the laptop one more time producing any old shit. He says, Eddie Howe is not the Messiah. Eddie Howe is not the Messiah in the way Martin O'Neill was, nor is he Brendan Rogers, who reveled in the limelight from the moment he arrived. Chris Commons says, O'Neill and Rogers were forces of nature throughout their time at Glasgow. The personalities and weight of character always gave them a chance of succeeding. How? by contrast, seems more reserved. He is articulate, but he's softly spoken. It's difficult to imagine him holding court in the dressing room in the same way O'Neill or Rogers did. So um, Chris Commons there getting paid to tell us that Eddie Howe is not Martin O'Neill, Melly. <laughs> oh, Chris, he's not the Messiah, but you are a very naughty boy. This <laughs> nonsense must stop. It must stop. I read through it and some of the things he's saying, it wasn't a miracle bringing Bournemouth up from the bottom league up to the Premier League. Now, Thinking back to growing up, I never, I knew Bournemouth was a place in England. I never knew they were anything, a wee football team. And all of a sudden, what, three promotions in six years after being 17 points down on their first season, nearly going out of business, brings them right up to the Premier League with transfer embargoes and keeps them in there for four seasons, gets relegated in the fifth, I think it was. That is, a, that is as close to a miracle as you're going to get in football, and especially in the Premier League these days. And one of his points was about, oh, there's only 11,000 that go to Bournemouth <laughs> games. That's because they can only get 11,000. That's, <laughs> that's exactly big... what I was about to mention. And Chris he's Coleman's made... right. He mentioned Sorry, about... he's, 
Brendan Rogers getting thirteen thousand that he's unveiling <laughs> it. What does that have to do with Chris? He just he's Chris Commons has a column in a newspaper, right? And he he's got no idea at all how he even structure the no. argument that he's trying to make. He, he's talking about how Bournemouth are a tiny club. Ah, he's basically our boy. He's talking about how Bournemouth are a tiny club that only holds eleven thousand people, and Celtic got more fans in the ground to watch Brendan Rodgers, right? But there is no acknowledgement of that fact of how small Bournemouth are when he's referring to what Eddie Howe achieved. <laughs> so, he, so he doesn't, he can't hold those two thoughts in his head. And then he's judging Eddie Howe before he's even got the job, right? On the impression left by Brendan Rodgers <laughs> and Martin O'Neill. So he's looking at what Martin O'Neill's done as Celtic manager and went, ah, he, Eddie Howe is no Martin O'Neill. Yes, because Martin O'Neill wasn't Martin O'Neill when he arrived at Celtic. Yeah. He did all those things to become Martin O'Neill of Celtic. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers did all those things to become Brendan Rodgers. And Chris Boyd, one of the things that he did do to become Brendan Rodgers was looked at you, took one look at you, <laughs> chubby, at training, <laughs> and decided he wanted you nowhere near. He wanted you nowhere near. Aye. Nowhere near the team. He wheeled you like some sort of carny at the, <laughs> the fucking... What, would, what was that? The trophy presentation day, Chris Commons gets wheeled out to get, so if they can clap him and then send him up the road. It was, Chris Commons under Brendan Rodgers at Celtic was a sideshow and no wonder he's fuming about it. So that, that golfer. Ep- episode he's of Alan fat Partridge. golfer. <laughs> yeah, that thing in Alan Partridge where he's talking to brave people. I think that, that's Aye. what Chris Commons was there covering up. You listen to me, Chris, you balloon. See when Chris Commons, this is true, see when Chris Commons went to Hibs on loan, they had to approach um, Marathon, the Hibs maker, the Hibs kit maker, and get them make, make him a bigger kit. <laughs> now that's not whether or not that's true is irrelevant. It's a fact. <laughs> Body shaming, which I hate. But see this. I mean, I read this earlier. I think it came out today, wasn't it? The, this column in the absolutely oh, loathsome newspaper that he writes for Chris. What is he thinking about? Because you've made a good point there. See when he said eleven thousand at this stadium and thirteen thousand at this stadium. Just numbers in it. Nice. He's just written that down. Just, just some numbers there. So, in theory, is that not worse? Like we've got a sixty thousand seat stadium, we could only get thirteen in it. So, is that no worse than them getting eleven thousand? I hope thirteen thousand and one people turn up Aye. to cheer on Eddie Howe at the stadium just to shut Chris Commons up. Following this preposterous logic from him, right? See, see the headline: Eddie Howe is not the Messiah. Who is asking for a Messiah? No. Celtic just need a good mm. football manager. They just need a competent coach to make players better, to develop a couple of players, to bring in a few players of his own, to put a footballing system in place and win some football games. Nobody's asking for a messiah. Do you know what? See this messiah patter? This is just, it's dog whistling. It's an appeal to the panicky among us, right? Because some people will be thinking, oh, this is a disaster. We, we need a messiah. We, we need somebody like Brendan Rodgers, Martin O'Neill, and if we don't get one of those, we're absolutely doomed. And Chris Commons has come along saying, well, you're not getting that, so you better start worrying just now. I don't know anyone who's asking for a messiah. I think no. they just need a, a good football manager in. It's just capitalising on people who are desperate for a big name. Capitalising on it and, and hoping that everybody runs about with their arse on fire panicking because we've not got Martin O'Neill or Brendan Rodgers in. It's it's just a lot of crap from him, to be he's honest. A snide, but he's Aye, just a pure is. snide, isn't he? It's like, it's like turning, up, turning up to play fives. You've just got a new car. And the guy's like, oh, do you like my new, do you like my new Mondeo? Chris Commons will come up and go, it's not a Range Rover though, is it? <laughs> no, Chris, it's not. I just need something to get me fit to be and get to my work. You know, mate. Aye. Aye, I've got a Range Rover. I've got a, a and a Ferrari in, in the garage. Is that just a Mondeo you've? So Chris Commons, it, it, the only currency Chris Commons operates in is snide, and I just don't understand for the life of me 
Chris Commons had a very good Celtic career. Celtic oh. were good to Chris Commons. He's not one of these guys that necessarily has a chip on his shoulder like Andy Walker or Davy Proven or any of these guys that are relentlessly negative about the club. But that since the minute Chris Commons walked out the door, all he's done is huff and puff about Celtic in his worthless column. Chris Commons just brings it on himself. For some reason, he just can't bring himself to say anything good. And we've had the discussion before, there is more than one way to be a football pundit. Sometimes you can say things positive because we'll like you. And I'm not talking mm. about pandering to fans. I'm talking about you know, people who come across like they actually enjoy football. Yeah. Like, see guys like Ian Wright and all that. Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a reason that people enjoy them. People, the guys on Sky Sports, the guys on the BT live score thing, all come across, even though Robbie Savage is a complete tosser as well. <laughs> people find him entertaining because at the very least, it comes across like he enjoys football. It's it's not hard to do. Chris Commons is just trying to be hard hitting, isn't he? Yeah. Melly, you nailed it. He's trying to be Chris Boyd. He's trying. He's, <laughs> oh God. he's, he's terrible trying being Chris Boyd. Trying and failing to be Chris Boyd. That is your that is your legacy. Goodness, Aye. stick that in the CV. Stick that in your LinkedIn. See to carry on your your car at fives analogy. Right, uh, he might mm. have a Range Rover sitting there in the guy's Mondeo, but he got that Range Rover because he's deeply insecure to to carry on this <laughs> tired analogy. He doesn't even need it. He just got it so he could take it to fives and show it off to everyone. Whereas the the guy's perfectly happy with his Mondeo. Eddie Howe's not a Mondeo, right? Just to just to no, stop he's a, Eddie Howe is Eddie Howe's like an expensive car. He's like a BMW yeah. or a Mercedes or something. That, that I mean, he's a he's a good motor. Um, you think Chris Collins will come on the podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, come, I come sincerely and, doubt it Yeah, come on uh, and defend yourself Chris you're clearly not here to hear this uh, to defend chubby yourself Chubby Pundit so. Chris Commons <laughs> yeah. we're joined by Chubby Pundit Chris Commons <laughs> Sweaty Sweaty Chris Commons <laughs> Khaki Commons like uh, He always turns up something wet Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, <laughs> completely throw myself off there. Dominic Great Mackay. Segment there. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I'm glad, glad we covered the Chris Commons thing. Dominic Mackay is going to come in at the job this week as well, presumably. Um, that's been rumored since basically. How rubbish is he, Chris? How rubbish is he compared to other businessmen? Yeah. And you know other what? He's no Jeff Bezos. Do you, <laughs> think, do you think Don McKay's good? Eh? Wouldn't you hear about a little old man called Bill Gates you might never have heard of? <laughs> Chris will tell us all about it. 
<laughs> right, okay. Right, we've covered that. Dominic McKay's, <laughs> Dominic yeah. McKay's apparently coming in now that the, the, the Six Nations is finished and we want to get things moved on, which is good because there is a very big job to be done at Celtic. Like I was saying to you, Melly, when we had our argument a couple of weeks ago, things need to be moving a wee bit quicker from my liking. Um, Did you, have you changed your stance on that a bit? That look, maybe things were going on in the background and you kind of just go out and go, bang, get, get him, get him, get him. It's, it's no football manager. We just pick your staff and get them in now. Celtic have got probably the best guy they can get will come in at the end of the season. Would you have just went and got somebody else for the sake of it? Jamie's face, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for this. Jamie's face at the moment, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Do you hear that, Stephen? I'm sitting here pitching myself. He thinks I'm going to say on this podcast that I was wrong. Oh, oh sorry. Never, yeah. in a, never in a million years. And anyway, no, I was right because what we have done is we'll phone Dominic McCaymick, get your ass up here. So he's like, I'll be there in five minutes. So Celtic have progressed in the only tournament that we can still win this season. Of, uh, by beating Falkirk 3-0 in the Scottish Cup at the an unfathomable kickoff, as it was at <laughs> half past seven or whatever it was on, on Saturday night. Very bizarre. For me, great to see James Forrest back. Um, it was one of these things, Stephen, where there was a lot of talk about how much we've missed James Forrest. James Forrest is never a standout player for me when he plays for Celtic. He kind of annoys me a wee bit. Um, but I, I must admit, seeing him back in the hoops, it was a breath of fresh air and I thought, aye, we have missed that boy. No doubt. I, I had started to worry that we were maybe overcooking it ever so slightly with James Forrest. We were doing that age-old thing that we do as football fans and Celtic fans in particular, where we do that appeal to players who are only playing to come in and save us. We maybe build them up a wee bit too much, the Derek Riordanitis. But mm. in fairness to James Forrest, as soon as he came back in, I thought, ah, do you know what? We we have missed this. We've really missed this. Um, he's, not, he's not like fully fit and firing yet. And that is a phrase I want consigned to the bin forever as it relates to another player that we might well talk about during this game. Oh, but sure, sure, definitely. But talk James about Forrest it. isn't up to full fitness yet, but he's still a danger, as was yeah. clearly shown with him getting a goal. He doesn't have to be fully at it to still provide something for Celtic that we just haven't had this season. And great to see him back. It's too little too late. Through no fault of his own, it's too late to salvage anything apart from potentially the Scottish Cup. But... Uh, there's no doubt it's, it's good to see him back. He's an eliminator, Melly. Uh, he says, we've missed James Forrest. John Kendi said he's an eliminator. He's direct and he's hungry for goals. It's great to have him back and great to get him on the score sheet. You're delighted to see Forrest back? Yeah, well, he brings us something we, we really don't have anymore. We don't have any pace in the team now that Frimpong's going. We don't really have MD that's direct and runs at people and maybe puts defenders on the back foot and maybe allows them, it makes the defenders drop back to create space for people. So I was delighted to see him back. Wasn't he too impressed with him, not him himself, but putting him into a four-four-two diamond because that's pretty much the only formation you can't get a position for him because he's so predominantly right-sided or playing on the left-hand side. So I was uh, a bit disappointed with that, but I think in the second half when we went back to that sort of four-two-three-one, we really seen what we can get, and I think going forward for the remainder of the season, a front three behind Edward of Forrest on the right, Turnbull on in the middle, and Elianusi on the left will be perfect and it's something we've real, really missed this season about him and then when Frimpong went was with because John Joe Kenny doesn't really provide it despite having two assists at the weekend but he's not one of those fullbacks that's going to get to the byline and 
When we're looking back at our summer transfer window, we had James Forrest to play out on the right-hand side and literally nobody else. So if he got injured, we had nobody else. And that's been the story of the season. So now that we've got them in there, it can maybe we can maybe go away from this 4-4-2 diamond and back to the 4-2-3-1. Yeah, I liked the 4-2-3-1, Melly. I thought that was... I thought we looked a lot better when we moved to that 4-2-3-1 with sort of Forrest, Roger and Christian behind. Well, you said, Edward, that's what you want to see going forward. This game, Stephen saw the inclusion of Lee Griffiths making a late contribution yeah. to the season, trying to push us over the line and, and the only tournament we can win. I would be... There's rumours that Lee Griffiths is going to join Scott Brown in Aberdeen next season. I would be astounded, absolutely astounded, if Lee Griffiths is a Celtic player next season. Yeah, I agree. And to be honest, having watched this game, I now think that the inclusion of Lee Griffiths in this game reflects quite badly on John Kennedy. Because I'd said maybe in the previous episode, I can't remember, but I'd said recently that mm. he's been make, making some quite poor decisions of his own. I understood the need to change things up a bit because Odson Edward played, was it three games? Three games for the yeah. French, France under-12s or whatever it is he's playing for just now. I've been quite enjoying that meme yeah. that everyone's saying, like, <laughs> Odson Edward is 41 years old and still playing for the France under-21s and all that. I've quite enjoyed <laughs> that. But it, nevertheless, he did play three games. I understood the, the need to mix things up a bit, but Lee Griffiths is hopeless, absolutely hopeless in a Celtic jersey these days. And he will get the odd goal still if he hangs around, if he plays a, a couple of games. But his all-round play, his fitness, his sharpness, completely shot to bits. And I know people still defend him. People still say all he needs is a run of games. All he needs is you know to be fit and firing full fitness. When's that coming? This is April and he hasn't got himself approaching full fitness. Let's not be about the bush here. This is an athletic endeavour. This is football. Yeah, you have to be an aye. athlete. You 100% absolutely have to be an athlete. That's number one, actually, because you can be as good as you want, but if you can't run the length of yourself, you're not going to succeed. I thought he was horribly off the pace in this game. Could have had another couple of goals maybe on another day, but, you know, that's... The quality of chances we create. See the yeah. quality of chances Celtic create. You know, if you're... You're anyway inclined as a striker, the number of chances that Celtic are creating, you're going to get chances to score. So I kind of feel like that, you know, Lee Griffiths, aye, we could have scored. Aye, I mean, me up front with a couple of weeks training is going to get one good chance in a Celtic game against Falkirk. Yeah, I was... That that was a lie. That's (laughs) a lie. But I'm just trying to illustrate the point by being absurdist. I was going to let it slide, but you've done it yourself, so... I was listening just to bring it on Eddie Howe and Lee Griffiths. I think you're right. When we think back to Rogers, as soon as he came in, it was Mulgrew out, Stokes out, Kazim Richards out, and then Commons went in January to Hibs without playing a single minute under him. I think Eddie Howe will do the same. Was what, I've been watching a lot of stuff on Eddie Howe over the weekend, and one of the things in one of the interviews, I think it was with Gary Lineker, he said, I'm not really a fan of coaching older players who think I've been there and done it, I'm not going to change my game. He says he wants to work with people that are willing to change their game, willing to adapt, and it just put me in mind. Two players sprang to mind straight away, and they're two of the more senior players at Celtic, and that was Lee Griffiths, who's going to be one of those guys who's going to say, I boss, and do absolutely nothing, Eddie Howe says, whereas Callum McGregor's going to be one of those guys that goes, do you know what, I can improve my game here if I listen to him. And I think Eddie Howe will get on great with Callum McGregor, but he'll just tell Lee Griffiths, Thanks, you're out, and that's it. Because again, with Stephen, what Stephen was saying, I'm done with Lee Griffiths. I have been for a while because, yes, he might come on and score a couple of goals, but he'll let you down in three, four games because he will not be fit and he'll come away pre season and do what he does all the time. Lee Griffiths, 40 goals a season. How long ago is that? I'd be surprised if he's had 40 goals in the last three, four seasons total. 
It's an interesting thing you've actually touched on there, Mel, and it's something we probably should have mentioned during the, the Eddie Howe chat. But Stephen, do you think that Eddie Howe coming in it would make some players reconsider their future either to stay or go? You know, what Melly said, he's obviously going to have to have a conversation with players and decide who's in his plans and who's not. And I'd be amazed if uh, Eddie Howe or any manager sees Lee Griffiths in his Celtic plans. In fact, they'd be worried if they saw yeah. Lee Griffiths yeah. in the plans. But do you think players like Christopher Ayer, players like Odson Edward, players like even Callum McGregor, who's rumoured to be away, do you think these guys might think, God, well, do you know what? Celtic under Eddie Howe is a different prospect here. Maybe. It would certainly cross their minds. Guys like Ayer, who is, let's face it, Christopher Ayer is a guy who looks like he wants to improve. He wants to play at the highest level he possibly can. He wants to get as much out of football as possible. And why not? That's what Christopher Ayer comes across to me as. But the thing is, he's been here so long now that he's kind of had that. He's had that with Rodgers. He's had that push. He's improved as a player. I don't know if he thinks maybe, well, yes, I could stay at Celtic and improve under Eddie Howe. But could I go to, the the rumour has been for a long time, AC Milan. Could I go to AC Milan and get coaching as well? So I don't think it'll be enough to turn the heads fully of the players that we've spoken about going for quite some time. I don't think so, to be honest. But it might make a few players who are planning to stay think differently. Yeah. Callum McGregor's mm. a really good example that Melly just said. I just don't think it's going to keep odds on Edward or Christopher Ayer at the club, no. Jamie, did you like that? When Stephen said Christopher Ayer comes across me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were laughing at? <laughs> I did not Amazing. say that. Comes across as did I not say oh, oh God. Hope, hope, hope so. <laughs> see, see a final thing on Lee Griffiths, right? Uh, and I think we're all on the same boat here. I'm just sick of the circus of it. I'm just utterly yeah, same sick of the, 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 I, the, the roundabout. It's like not all of it is his fault, right? He's only partially to blame for the circus surrounding Lee Griffiths because he is... His contribution to it has not been fit enough and not putting the hours in to be a first-choice Celtic player. That's his contribution to it. But we're sitting watching that game, Falkirk, on Saturday night, and I'm listening to the commentators, Michael Stewart, mm. Stephen Craigan, all these guys, still talking about him as if he's just on the verge of busting back into form and getting 40 goals and being the Scotland saviour. That's a lot of rubbish. Like, why? Yeah. What leads us to believe this? Because we've not seen Two it for about three England, seasons How now. long ago? And he's still living I, off it, isn't he? I'm just, I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of hearing the, the people who stick up for him saying, I, but all he needs is this, all he needs is that. He's got everything he could possibly need to be a fully functioning professional footballer, and he's not. So I'm just, I'm kind of scunnered with it, if, You're if not I'm the totally only honest. I'm, I am convinced, in fact, I've heard that people within the club, former Celtic managers, were convinced that Lee Griffiths, by this stage, wouldn't be a, a Celtic player, might not even be still be a professional footballer. So mm. he's... Lee Griffiths is doing well to be at Celtic, and but he's probably performing, you know, as a Celtic first team player, he's probably putting in the bare minimum to get him over that threshold. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's probably performing yeah. at the bare minimum to get him over that threshold. There's a current meme on TikTok, Stephen, I know you're a big fan of TikTok, right? So there's a meme on TikTok, <laughs> and the, the, the template for the meme is, tell me X without telling me X. So for example, tell me you're a Star Wars fan without telling me you're okay. a Star Wars fan, at which point someone would speak Klingon to show you that they're a Star Wars fan, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. right. So, um, if you look at this match stats for the Falkirk game, right, you would say, tell me Ryan Christie was playing without telling me Ryan Christie was playing. Celtic, shots, 42. <laughs> 
Shots yeah. on target, nine. <laughs> <laughs> we call that the Ryan Christie effect. It's a, it's a shocker again. It's something that we've seen a lot under Kennedy, under Kennedy with Celtic. We, we do create a lot more chances, but we're just not taking them. And that can be down to a lot of things where it's a long way into the season. He's not going to change it overnight. But the Ryan Christie thing again, he's, he's another guy where you just think, do you know what, see if Eddie Howe come in, you could maybe get him playing well, signing our contract and get him a decent move. Then you see Ryan Christie playing, you're like, just get him out the door and all. I'm sick of him. <laughs> like, all these shots, wild shots. He did get a goal, it was a good finish. But the technique on the guy, for a guy that thinks he can shoot that often and score that often, it's pretty wild. He's leaning back, he's rash. It's terrible, man. And again, did you Falkirk, see the heat map that was doing the rounds on Twitter from where all the Premier League teams have taken shots from? No, Celtic's atrocious. I, I can give you, a, I can describe it to you, but you can probably picture it in your head what we're talking about here. There's a, it shows you the area of the pitch where most teams take their shots, and it's a heat map type thing. And most teams are taking their shots from normal areas, like inside the box or on the edge of the box, or at least in the penalty area. Celtic's heat map is going bright hot red. In the area of the pitch that you've seen Ryan Christie take one million shots from, you know exactly the area of the pitch we're all talking about, outside the box, just to either the right-hand side. This is, I mean, we're laughing about it, Stephen, and he did, you know, he fair play to me, got on the score sheet here. But some of the shots he takes on are mental. Oh, it's been a season-long thing with Ryan Christie. In fairness to him, yes, they scored in this game, and it was a rare moment of control and precision from him because... He shaped like he was going to bend it into the far corner and just knocked it in near post and the keeper was caught flat-footed as a result. Brilliant. Absolutely great finish. Yeah, it looked like he, absolutely, he actually thought about it. But gone are the days now. We can't be blaming Neil Lennon for this. Because nope. remember we sat and <laughs> no. we were like, oh, Neil Lennon's telling him to go out there and shoot every time he gets the ball. So that's gone. That that excuse, that safety net's gone. So ugh, I feel bad about it now because I, I think a lot of people are really scunnered with Ryan Christie. And it's... I don't know... What's led us to this point? It can't just be that he shoots all the time. It's maybe... I think it might be. I mean, it is for me. It's not helping, but there's, it's been long rumoured that he's looking to leave. Like, I think there was some comments maybe from his dad, was it, that said that like, he's yeah. looking to, for, for the new challenge or whatever. Right? That's fine. So that, that doesn't tend to go down well with Celtic fans. So that's maybe playing into it a little bit. So he seems he seems to be a guy whose popularity is on the, on the wane just as he's looks it's, as if he's shaping up the league. this season has been I mean he's only scored six goals in mm. all tournaments this season it, the returns are abysmal for Ryan Christie yeah it's not good enough especially with, with Ryan Christie we seen under Neil Lennon last year he was a sort of main player at the start of the season for him mm. get injured around New Year and sort of came back in but we thought we were getting that but Ryan Christie seems to be a sort of Apache player he goes through good spells remember he first came into the team he just hit the ground running when he came back from that loan uh, and was it the Hearts semi-final and he just came in and just hit this purple patch dipped off a bit came back at the start of last season but uh, yes I think it's the shooting doesn't help but it's also what Stephen said that sort of he, I've heard that he wants to live a better lifestyle so that's why he wants to go down to England and that doesn't really help, does it? I think he thinks he's a bit better than he actually is. Whereas mm. the guys, like, if you're comparing, the biggest comparison you can probably have is the guy sort of replaced was Stuart Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong was a much better player than him, a much more well-rounded player. He went down to England, struggled for a bit, and is, is now a very important player for Southampton. I just don't ever see Ryan Christie doing that for MD, so it's going to be a tough one for him this summer. It might have a decent tournament with Scotland and it'll get my move, but... 
he could be one of those guys that maybe stays around next season just to see what happens. As much as we're joking about this game here and some of the pretty poor stuff that happened in it, I thought Celtic were quite good in this yeah. game. I'm not going to go mental yeah. and just say they were amazing because it was only Falkirk at the end of the day. But on the night, I actually quite enjoyed it. I think Celtic played some really good stuff and obviously created a lot of chances. It took 42 shots. But, but they scored three goals, kept a clean sheet, got into the next round, which is the key thing here. That there was no. I think Kennedy's doing a good job. Well, yeah, I honestly I mean, do. Considering he's he's assistant manager, the, the the circumstances at which he took over, the mess, the the malaise that was about the team, how far they'd fallen, how much they'd lost, how much negativity there must have been about the place, all the stuff he's dealt with these players with hangovers for COVID and not like it must have taken intelligent and careful management of that squad not to have them completely collapse well, themselves, I think. Aye, and he's very limited as to what he can do because the, the season has gone the way it has gone. Mm. There's no way if John Kennedy took the job in, in more fortunate circumstances, he would be sitting here playing a 4-4 to the diamond with James Forrest up front. There's no way that would be his plan if he took on the, the Celtic job. Kind of like when Neil Lennon took over from Brendan Rodgers, what he said was he couldn't really change much, so it was just a case of tweaking a couple of things and getting to the end of the season, mm. getting over the line, that line that's been used about Neil Lennon a few times. John Kennedy's much the same boat. He has to take what's happened this season and just try and try and fashion whatever he can out of it. As I said, there's, there's little evidence to me that would suggest he'd be playing in this style if he had his own way. So he really he's working with what he's got. That said, I, I still think he's making poor decisions and amongst that. His substitutions have been quite poor in recent games. He's been waiting too long to make substitutions, much like Neil Lennon did. And I, I just... I can't see the sense in picking Lee Griffiths and Tom Rogic for this game. I came away from that game thinking, certainly we're quite good there, but I personally just learned nothing from watching those two guys play. I remember saying it was either this season or last season, I says, I think we've maybe seen the best of Tom Rogic. And he came back into the side uh, and played really well in an Aberdeen game and we were talking about how maybe Aberdeen must have nightmares about Tom Rogic. But that was maybe two or three games. But Tom Rogic is a spent force. Like, he doesn't doesn't annoy me the same way that, that I sort of get annoyed by Griffiths. But Tom Rogic's contribution to Celtic at the moment for me, Melly, is like, he may as well not be here, level. Yeah, it's just another another season too much for Celtic. And look, we've got a squad full of them, a bloated squad with these guys, Griffiths, Rogic, Beaton. These are all guys from the Invincible Treble, Double Treble, but they're not even any of the top performers in there. They're the guys that are stuck around because the good ones have left. So we're left with these guys. And the three of the guys, if I was Eddie Howe, they'd be the first three I'd, I'd have out the door. Beaton, maybe he's a bit of a utility player, but the three of them, you can't rely on them week to week, month to month, to be fit, to be ready to play for you. And having those guys in your squad as your, some of your longest serving players, I don't think that is conducive to having the right squad that you need because you need guys like Cal McGregor and Scott Brown that go, look, they're 7 out of 10, fit every week, ready to go, we'll give you everything. Whereas these guys, they just don't do it for me and they don't do it consistently enough. Mention, of course, for El Unrisi's goal, though. That was, an, oh, that was yeah. a real highlight. Absolutely smashing yeah. goal. Great first touch because John Joe Kenny gave him a bit to work with, to be honest. <laughs> to give him a lot to do. It was the hardest assist since, remember, Gary Caldwell pinged that ball into Nakamura oh, all those years ago. And what an assist that was. Kenny's was similar to that. In, in fairness, I remember there was one recently where Christie slammed the ball into Edward and Edward took it on and scored. Can't remember the game, but it was very recently... Christie really fired it into him but 
Christie did that not because he's a bad player, but it's because he knows that you can put a pass like that into Edward and he'll probably kill it into his path mm. and score. Right? So that that's fine. Maybe Kenny was in the, the same wavelength with Elianusi and thought, but if I zip this in towards him, he can take a first touch and score. Maybe he did. But Elianusi, in fairness to him, stuck it away with aplomb, oh. as they say. <laughs> but uh, absolutely great goal. And yet, yet another one for Elianusi, his contribution has been vastly undervalued this season for me. A lot of people are big fans of him, myself included, but there seems to be still an uncertainty about him. I don't, and I don't know why. I don't I, really I understand I don't it. I, again, I get. I know what you mean. I don't understand. I would have him back in a heartbeat. Honestly, no, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good player. And people just get a bit fed up and bored, and they want like they want everything and everyone associated with this season bend out. But you, <laughs> I think you really need to be. A, I think you need to be a wee bit careful. You can't throw the the baby out with bathwater and if Ellie Nussi is available I would and, and obviously depending on the new manager coming in I, I would want him yeah I'm, I'm the same I've always been a big fan of him because he scores goals and look that's hard to replace he's not even a striker he's got 15 goals this season barely played in his natural position barely played in a good team so I think if we, we're looking at Celtic what Eddie Howe's going to do next season Forrest, Turnbull and Elianusi behind a, a striker because we all think Edward's going to leave. That's a great starting point if we can get Elianusi. We've we've seen with taking James Forrest out of the team, if you take his goals and assists out, it makes a massive difference. To take Elianusi's goals out of this team as well, it's going to be a lot to replace. So if we can get him at a decent price, I'd get him in. And I think if you're looking at Eddie Howe, the way he plays, it's a lot of, lot of going down out in the wide areas, getting players into the box and the attacking positions. I could see Elianusi getting 20-odd goals next season if he's played right and Celtic start winning. So I'd, I'd love to have him in there. It's just it's an easy one for Celtic for me. Hun's in the next round, oh. and I don't think we've got a single thing to fear for them. I really don't. I was impressed with the way Kennedy went up against them in the last game. We've got James Forrest back. I don't know. I've just got a good feeling about this up and coming, this up and coming Huns game. I really, really do. I'd be very interested to see, uh, as a fly on the wall, the players' reaction to drawn Rangers in the next rounds. Because I think there was that kind of feeling where we thought we were going to get Rangers at some point, maybe in the final, maybe set up a, an exciting finale to the season. But we've got them in the next round. I'd be interested to see the players' reaction because I think it would tell a lot. Did they react as if, yes, a, a final chance to get it over them, to, to show mm. we are the best? Or did they think, oh God, we need to play them again? Because a, a lot of people will, you know, fairly or not, think it's the first one. They will think, yes, our players will get a chance. But with the way this season has gone, the psychology of this season, the softness of this team, would you be surprised at all if three or four of them went, oh God, we need to play them again? Uh, I've got to say, I think uh, maybe one or two, maybe, maybe there was smatterings of that. But I think... This Celtic team, look, I firmly believe this Celtic team will be hurting. They, they don't turn, yeah. they're just no turned into a team of losers. They've had a bad season. They'll be hurting. They'll be looking for opportunities to prove themselves. They've performed well against Rangers. Rangers, okay, Rangers, Rangers did well against us at Park. The best Rangers did against us was at Parkhead when we had to cobble a team together in the first one. There's no been much between us. There's really no been much no. between the two sides, and we've had a season from hell. Um, so I, I think you know even when you add in the factor we can stop them going invincible right we can oh well I suppose they might count the league as invincible but we can stop them getting a double anyway we can win something for this season we, we can when was the last time we had a trophy this season you know back Tony Mowbray times we could stop that happening Scott Brown's on the way out he's going to want to get his hands on one last trophy before he, there's a lot of factor into this and I think to put the negative slant on it a wee bit, Stephen, I think it's probably better we're playing Rangers now when we didn't meet them in the final because that would be high, high pressure. Mm, so there's yeah. a wee bit of pressure off here, Melly, isn't 
Yeah, there is. And look, if if you want to be the best, you need to beat the best. And we're, we're going to need, Ooh. we're probably going to need to beat Rangers at some point. If is we're that Ric to... Flair or Bret Hart? It's <laughs> <laughs> another, another Star Wars quote, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? No, it's own. I think that's own heart. I don't know. Somebody let us know. <laughs> so is that more is that more Klingon, is it? <laughs> we're going to have to play them at some point in all likelihood because the rest of this league is dreadful and we're going to get them at some point. So we have to beat them. Would it, wouldn't it have been as ideal to get them at home? That would have been better. But look, it, there's no fans in the stadium. So we played well at Ibrox the last time without without dominating as we thought we did. And Jamie's right, look, the games against Rangers have been close. I think if what you're saying, Stephen, if the players had been a bit a bit fearful of going to this game, but we haven't been battered off them this season. When no. Celtic were when Celtic were taking five off Rangers and their fans were cheering that time, remember we got them in the cup and Brendan Rogers said, be careful what you wish for. I don't think it's that sort of way where they're like, oh, they're going to dish out a right pace into us because they haven't done that this season. Maybe that's why there's a bit a room for a bit of positivity here. We, if Celtic can win this cup and then you look back in the season and go, yes, it was a season from hell. What do we need to improve on? We get a good manager in. Well, it looks like we're doing that. Then you go into the wee bits in the game. We need to score more goals. He'll get us into better positions to score. We need to stop giving away set pieces. And then you look at the games against Rangers and go, do you know what? They were all close. So all these things, if Celtic can improve on all these things, they will be closer or they can't win the title back next year. So I think this Scottish Cup could be a real shot in the arm for Celtic. Yeah, and for the record, I'm not saying I am fearful or there is anything to be fearful of. I would just like to know. I'd just love to be in the heads of the players, you know, just to, to yeah. get a gauge of how, the, how they're doing psychologically after such a shit show of a season. So only one way to find out, I suppose. Look, we need to beat Rangers because they're a team managed by an idiot. Um, <laughs> they and are. Steve, they a are. real numbskull. <laughs> he is. Oh, thick. He's a thick, <laughs> thick man. He's cognitively impaired. Um, <laughs> As uh, as a doctor, <laughs> because did you read these comments about uh, what was his name Nathan Patterson? No. Oh. So they're appealing the ban that they already admitted to, and they find the player. I've not done the old uh, Poirot on it, right? But there's really something fishy going on about Rangers and their COVID protocols oh, and everything that's Scotland going on. Have MD popped, of course. I know the only not the only team not have anyone popped in pre-season. Remember, it transpired they were played a pre-season game without getting the tests done. Then not a peep, not a, not a peep about all this stuff that happened. I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the players sharing cars and partying with each other and all. Not a peep about that when they won the league that day. No. Nothing's been said about that. The players are attending parties every bloody weekend. They're sending their COVID tests to God knows where, some place in Northern Ireland that was on Panorama for doing dodgy tests. The whole thing stinks. And this is just the latest thing in it. Bowling goalie was... Bolingoli had to find employment elsewhere <laughs> because he broke COVID rules. And here we have Rangers appealing a ban saying it's going to ruin the boy's career. Aye. He's got a six-game ban. Was it the greatest right-back of all time or something like I said? You were potentially going to ruin the career of the greatest right-back prospect ever. And it, Quite interesting to me, though, that you know how there was a delay in the SFA prosecuting these guys? Um, this boy's ban, Rangers only fit right-back. His ban comes into play just as uh, Tavernier comes back. <laughs> oh, same, same, just weird that, isn't it? Mm. So they've always got it right. But, but yes, Stephen, uh, the numbskull Stephen Gerrard said that this could potentially ruin this boy's career. He'll be turned out for Scotland and the six-game ban will ruin that. Just This is the same Stephen Gerrard that in the, the game against Celtic, he played a centre-half at right-back and kept the boy on the bench because he didn't think he was good enough to play against Celtic. Mm. And now the SFA are going to ruin his career. Steve. Yeah. Nobody, buy, nobody buys it. 
I mean, pardon my language, but a real knucklehead. And before we, and on that bombshell, before we wrap up, uh, regular listeners and new listeners might realise that if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Podcast Addict, we pick our favourite each week and send our favourite reviewer a gold 20-minute Tim's badge to say thank you. We have not announced a winner for a couple of weeks, but we have been pulling winners out of the hat and these people have been receiving their badges. So, Stephen, who is this week's winner? Well, I think Nicola Miko sums it up best when she said... Going back and listening to podcasts from 2018 just to feel something. And that there's your winner yes. this week. <laughs> That's the and we know how you feel. Uh, if you would <laughs> like to support us, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash 20 minute tims. Two new features have launched in the past week. We have got the International Celts podcast. Uh, we dropped a pilot of that. We'll be covering all Celtic players in the Euros this summer. We've also got Project Rebuild. These are two things on top of what we're already doing. So check it out, patreon.com slash 20 minute tims. Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I think we've potentially angered quite a lot of Star Wars fans on this episode, and you don't want to do that. So I would just like to say to them, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> yes, dead or alive, you're coming with me, Melly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.